good morning, Highland Hills. It's great to be with you all as we gather once again to come and meet and look at the Word of God. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Um, I do intend to return back to our study in the book of Colossians. But as we approach another holiday with New Year's Eve running into New Year's, I think that the aspect that our culture celebrates with change and seeking to be something different can actually be a really good thing if taken in the right context. And so today what I would like to do in the Word of God is look at the life of Peter and see how God moved in the life of Simon Peter to create change and how I believe God is wanting to do the same thing with our lives. So to do this, we will begin today in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Would you pray with me as we go to the scriptures this morning? Father God, I do pray that you would be with us as we turn to your word. Let us see why in your providence that you wanted us to have this historical account in the life of Simon Peter and these apostles. Let us see how we can live this scripture, not just hear about it. But when we see how powerfully you move in the life of Simon Peter, let us see that you seek to move in our life as well. That you come to us, we who can testify with Peter that we are sinners, but that you offer us salvation. A relationship not rooted in fear, but rooted in this truth that you loved us so much you pursued us. Be with us as we examine your scriptures and as we see how you move in the life of this apostle. And Jesus, it is only in your name that we pray. Amen. Yes, there is a ritual that many Americans will participate in during the upcoming days. And this ritual we are about to embark upon caused me to pause and consider this individual, Simon Peter, in the scriptures. On Thursday night, as 2020 becomes designated as history, and I'm sure many people will rejoice when it does, 2020, gone in the history books forever, a new year will have dawned, 2021. 
And at that moment, people will consider it a new beginning, a new year, new opportunities. Opportunities to chase goals and desires. Opportunities for achievements. A new start to chart alternative paths. To consider new plans and resolutions. To make decisions. To seek change. And when that happens, and when 2020 leaves, and 2021 arrives, this is what the people will have. 31 million 536,000 seconds, 525,600 minutes, 8,760 hours, 365 days, 52 weeks, 12 months before us will be one year. And many in our culture will pledge that this will be the year. They will scheme, they will hope, they will plan that 2021 will be for them a year of change. Goals fulfilled. Resolutions achieved. New beginnings. And this concept of change for the better can be, in the right context, a very good thing. The Bible tells us that Jesus wants to change us. The Bible tells us we are not what we should be, and we should be seeking to be better. Jesus offers us new beginnings, but not merely for some health goal or for some occupational achievement. Jesus wants to give us a radical new beginning where we become less and less like we were and more and more like the Son of God. So this concept of change, of morphing, of altering our lifestyle, our choices, can be a good thing if we realize that what we are meant to change above all is to be like Christ. Not just some weight goal, not just some financial accolade, not some status ranking. We are to change to be like Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. The desire to improve your health, the desire to excel at your job to achieve a goal, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That can be a really good thing. That can be a worthy goal. But what if we as believers, when we see 2021 approaching, what if we said this year, 2021, we want to love Jesus like we've never loved him before? In 2021, we want to be found praying more with our Savior. In 2021, we want to be found more in His Word, meeting with Him, sitting at the feet of the Messiah. In 2021, we want to tell more people than we ever have about Jesus. What if that was our goal for this new year? I think if that was our goal, then according to this text, we must make this application. In 2021, be committed to be a fisher of men. Look with me again in our initial text in verse 9. In verse 9 it says this, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Our focus this morning will be on an individual 
that radically needed to change certain aspects of his life. And the scriptures are honest about this. And even though Simon Peter had much to change, he also had a lot right that needed to continue in his life. He was doing a lot right that needed to continue um, in terms of following Christ. But I want you to look at this instant. Almost simultaneously, when Peter really gets who Jesus is. Look with me again in verse 4. In verse 4 it says this. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Almost simultaneously, Peter gets something. In the presence of Jesus, he is a great sinner. And before him is the Holy Lord. Peter had been listening to Jesus teach. He had heard the wisdom of the Son of God. And now he sees his power. And he gets it. He is a sinner. And does not deserve to be in the presence of the Holy One. And you know what? That approach, that mentality, is not necessarily wrong. We learn that quite often in the scripture, when people encounter God, their awareness of their sin becomes great. And that realization is true. The prophet Isaiah experienced this. In the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 1, listen to the testimony of the prophet Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and it touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So in the presence of God, what is Isaiah's first reaction? Well, it's a lot like Peter's. God is holy, and I am a sinner. And he cannot even move forward with the task God has called him to. He can't take the next step because he feels the weight of his sin, and he desperately needs God's atonement. He needs God's forgiveness. Friend, if in 2021... 
you truly commit to draw closer to God than you ever have. If you choose to encounter the Lord in His Word, if you choose to encounter the Lord in the work of His church, if you devote your life to Him, you will see that you yourself are a sinner. But that is good. A person can't seek help until they realize they are sick. Peter gets that he is a sinner. And what does Jesus say in terms of Peter's recognition of his guilt? Look with me again in verse 10. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Only Christ can say that to sinners. Because only Jesus can forgive us of our sin. Only Christ can atone for our mistakes. So today, if you're struggling with guilt as you come to a new year, if you see sin in your life and you need to change, you need repentance, you need renewal, I think God would say to you, do not be afraid. I think Jesus would say, I love you, I'm with you, I forgive you. That is what God communicates to all who confess their sin and repent back to Him. And do you know that God does this because He wants you to approach Him? God wants you to have a relationship with Him. And sin is a real problem. But God can remove it. He can do it for Peter. He can do it for Isaiah. And He can do it for there are many reasons that God would do this. He loves you. He wants the sin removed so that you can have a relationship with Him. God wants to be your heavenly Father where you are His child. But God also has work for you to do. For what do we see in verse 10? Jesus says, do not be afraid, but then He has a task for him. He says, from now on, you will be catching men. Peter was a fisherman. He spent his whole life in his career, his adult life, chasing fish, catching fish. That was his profession. And Jesus takes this illustration and he says, you are forgiven. And do not be afraid, for you have a new task. You will be catching men. Peter will be a representative of the Christ. Peter will be an ambassador for God. Because there are others out there, others who when they encounter God will feel the weight of their sin. And they will feel that the only conclusion is they must depart away from God for they are sinners. And Peter has a message from the Christ to this world. And it is that you don't have to be afraid. Not because sin is trivial. Not because it doesn't matter. But because there is one who can defeat it. And it is Jesus Christ. And he did it for Peter. Peter was called to make sure others knew of this message. And yes, God calls you too to be a fisher of men. God looks at you and says, do not be afraid. God is calling you saying, tell the people of Fort Thomas and beyond about the love of Christ. Tell your neighbor that you know you need to be talking with, that you've built a relationship with, but you've, you never wanted to risk the awkwardness. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Tell them about me. Invite them to church. Sit down with that family member you love 
that you know you've never shared the good news with and let them know there is a Savior that calls out saying, do not be afraid. Forgiveness is there for you. In 2021, will you, will you unite with your local church and strive to let the lost people of this community and beyond know Jesus loves them? Will you be a fisher of if so, I hope that you will make this application as well in 2021. In 2021, trust God with your fears and embrace the gift of courage. We're going to look at two different scriptures here. Let's go to the book of Matthew and then we will return to the book of Luke. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew 16 as we continue contemplating this life of Peter. In Matthew 16... Verses 13 through 17, we see another incident with this apostle. Matthew 16, 13 says this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Something is interesting when you read the Bible. If one just now became familiar with Christianity, you may assume that when you turn to the Bible, you find people who never mess up. Heroes and icons who just always got it right and had tremendous courage and served God. But what you will find if you open this book is 99.9999% of the people that you encounter in this book are messed up. And only one is perfect. And that is Christ. There are people in this book who are imperfect. And I think in some ways that should be encouraging to us. Because I will confess today, I am not perfect. I have no right in and of myself to approach God. But part of the beauty of this book is it is filled with historical accounts of sinners who need forgiveness. And being a sinner who needs forgiveness, that gives me hope. When I read about people who sometimes fail because I fail, when I read about people who sometimes choose selfishness because I do that, when I read about people who sometimes love themselves more than God, I see that in myself as well. And I am not glad for sin. Sin is atrocious and breaks the heart of God. But what I am glad for is when I read this book, I see that there is a God that loves sinners. Offers them hope in Jesus. And sometimes when you read this book, we see Peter gets it right. And many times when you read this book, we see Peter gets it completely wrong. But right here, I want to focus on a time when Peter really got it right. Peter got something incredibly right that is incredibly significant for someone to be saved. What does he say in verse 16? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the 
the Son of the living God. Peter gets who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. The Christ. The Son of God. Peter is bold in his confession. But I want you to see something that's true of Peter. And true of everyone that knows this truth. Look with me. What does Jesus say in response to this in verse 17? And Jesus answered him. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus knows that Peter understands the true identity of the Christ because it is a gift from the Father. And that is true to every person who knows that truth. We should not think that is an accomplishment, that we have achieved some theological accolade. But rather, if we've come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, then we should humbly say, this is a gift from God. Now, what would you expect from this point forward? What would you expect of Peter, who understood when many people were confused who Jesus truly was? Wouldn't you expect that he would have courage that was bold? Wouldn't you anticipate that he would have bravery that is unchallenged? I mean, he gets it. This is the Christ. This is the one the Creator ordained. This is the one the Lord sent to save his people. This is the Son of God. You would think, armed with that truth, we would see nothing but courage and bravery in the life of Simon Peter from this point forward. But what do we see? Let's go back to the book of Luke. But this time to a different chapter. Luke 22. And in Luke 22, beginning in verse 54, we read of something different. Christ has been taken by the authorities. They are seeking brutally to murder him through crucifixion. And we read this of that historical account in Luke 22, verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, he sat down together. Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, looking closely at him, said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter had followed Jesus for three years. And now an alliance of Roman leaders and religious leaders of the day have gathered to kill Jesus take him through this mock, frivolous judicial proceedings. And Peter stands at a distance. And a young girl approaches him. 
And she says, you were with him. And what does Peter do? Does he say, yes, I was. And more than that, he is the Christ, the Son of God. No, he denies Jesus. When Peter gets it right, he gets it right. But when Peter gets it wrong, he gets it wrong. And this is the Christ. This is the one that Peter saw miracle after miracle. Authentication of his identity over and over again. And this is the one who told Peter that despite his sin, he didn't have to be afraid. It could come to him. This is the one Peter followed. This is the one Peter loved. This is the one, this Jesus, that Peter denies. Not once. Not twice. But three times. And Jesus told Peter he would do this. And how does Peter feel about this? Verse 62. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you relate to this this morning? Can you relate to Peter's emotion? Is there a sin in your life? Is there something that you want defeated? Is there something you want changed in this new year? For Simon Peter, it was cowardice and fear. What is it for you? Is it greed? Is it lying? Is it lust? Is it anger? Do you see it appear often? Do you see that sin that you hate? And have you hated it so bad you found yourself weeping bitterly over it? Have you ever felt like Peter in this passage? Because I think we are a lot like Peter. Sometimes we get it right. Many times we get it wrong. But every time there is Jesus loving us. Jesus is not a boost toward the right direction. Jesus is not a little bit of help. Jesus is our only strength. So what was going on in the mind of Peter after this? What was he thinking for the next three days? Jesus had been murdered. Jesus was dead. And Peter had denied him. Imagine you got into a fight with a family member. And, and, and you said some hurtful things. And then that family member died. Wouldn't that haunt you? That your last interaction was negative? Put yourself in Peter's shoes. That's what he's feeling. Jesus has died. And, and the last thing that he had with this one who said, do not be afraid. The last interaction he had with this one that loved him so well was a denial. But what Peter will learn and what we see in his life is there is hope. Three days later, Jesus resurrected back to life. And I hope that when we examine this, you make this application for 2021. In 2021, sacrificially serve the sheep of Jesus because this will not be the last time that Peter sees Jesus. Turn with me to the book of John. John 21, beginning in verse 1. And read of this phenomenal account. Of Jesus and Peter. John 21 beginning in verse 1 says this. After this Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. By the sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter. Thomas called the twin. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them. Going fishing. They said to him we will go with you. 
They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat. You will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fireplace with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so would the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon said of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I tell you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter learned of great hope. Because Jesus returned back from the grave. He had appeared to them. He knew he was back. And I wonder if Peter still had the denial in his head. Three times he denied him. He was playing over and over again. But it is a beautiful scene here. For we end in John with a situation with Peter that was much like the first encounter he had with Jesus. Remember? He caught nothing. And Jesus shows up and there's this huge catch. And what does Peter do this time? He, he jumps out of the boat seeing what's happening here. Remember, Peter had betrayed, denied the Christ. So I wonder if his adrenaline kicked in when he saw Jesus and his emotions overcame him and he jumped in and he swam and he hurried. But then I wonder when he looked at Jesus if the denial that he knew he had done hit him again. And he didn't say anything to him. But in fellowship, Jesus welcomes them and he meets their needs and he cooks for them and he takes care of them. And I wonder how surprised Peter was when Jesus looked at him and said, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Was he caught off guard? 
I wonder if immediately Peter remembered his sin. But not denying his failure, he says, yes, love you, Jesus. And Jesus tells him to feed his sheep, symbolically meaning if Peter really does love Jesus, then it must be evident in the way he loves the church of Christ. He must love Christians to love Jesus. He must be a shepherd. He must be a leader. And then Jesus asks him again, do you love me? And finally he asks him a third time, and Peter is hurt. He starts to think Jesus doesn't love him, but friend, something beautiful is going on here. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three. How many times does Jesus ask him if he loves him? Three. Jesus is offering him change. Jesus is offering him redemption. A new direction. Not one where he is the man who denied the Christ. But one who is able to proclaim three times... In his new redeemed state, he loves the Christ. And in Jesus giving him this opportunity, he's telling Peter that despite his sin, despite his mistake, he is still loved. He is still cherished. He can still serve God because Jesus forgives him. And friend, I do not know what sin you're struggling with. I do not know what changes you may be seeking in this new year. But I know this, Satan would love to trick you. Satan would love for you to believe that if you are struggling with a sin this morning, that you're worthless and you can't be used by God. But let me loudly declare what I think the scripture is saying that we've examined this morning. God loves you. The Lord still longs for you to serve him. And he can forgive you if you're struggling with sin this morning. But like Peter, you must first have your heart and courage that you are accepted you are loved. You are cherished by the Son of God. And Peter had to get that. That Jesus wouldn't let his mistake define him. He would let the redemption of God define him. And you must get that you are loved more than you can fathom by Christ. And that if you confess your sin, you are forgiven. To be equipped to do what Peter had to do. To love Jesus by loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. To love the Lord by pouring your life into a local church. By pouring your life into lifting up fellow believers. By pouring your life into being a fisher of men. To let the lost know that they are welcomed in this family. And though the road was going to be difficult. Though it was going to be tough. Jesus' final command to Peter applies to us as well. But what does he say to him in verse 19? And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. May 2021 be a year when it is complete that you can look back and say, I strive to follow. Jesus. Would you pray for me? Father God, as our culture at this time thinks of change, that we as believers who are pilgrims in this world realize the greatest change we need is to make sure that we value Jesus Christ above all. 
May we realize, God, that we're not what we should be, but by your grace and through your power, step by step, we are becoming more like Christ that he is in our hearts. Jesus, I pray that we would powerfully hear over our lives what you say in the scriptures. Do not be afraid. But I pray that our fear would not subside because we think we are strong, because we think we have anything to offer. But our fear would be vanquished because we know that we have made mistakes, that we have fallen. You love us. You care for us. But we don't have to fear because we know you gave your life that we may live for you. And so I pray that as we look at a new year dawning, that our chief goal will be to live lives that glorify you, lives that love our fellow believers, lives that proclaim to the lost an invitation to join your family. And I pray we do this because we long to love you. And Jesus, it is only in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We will close singing the praises of the King. If you need to come for prayer, if you need to make a decision today, you come as we conclude this service.
gathered to sing your praises. We are worthy of it. We've examined your word. May it change our hearts. Dismiss us now, God, to love your sheep and to exalt you, the great shepherd. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. You're dismissed.